Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Before I continue, I want to mention that on August 30th at 2pm I'm going to be hosting another Zoom History Conference. This one is all about T.G. Hamilton of Winnipeg, he was an MLA, but he also held seances, and it would bring people like Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King, as well as Sir Arthur Conan Doyle to the city. It's a really interesting talk, it's $5 to register through my website at CanadaEHX.com. But it's also free for my patrons, and you can become a patron for as little as $3 a month, just go to Patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. As well, if you enjoy this episode, I would really appreciate a rating and review. And I want to give a shout out to the podcast, Minute Women. If you grew up in the 1990s in Canada, then you likely saw plenty of Heritage Minutes. The Heritage Minutes touted parts of our history and our heritage, and themselves became a part of our cultural heritage. Well, in this podcast, hosted by Grace and Linnea, they take a look at the untold stories behind the Canadian Heritage Minutes, to uncover the funny, weird, and terrifying stories from Canada's history. You can find Minute Women on major podcast platforms, and you can also follow them on Instagram, at Minute Women Podcast. For centuries, the Indigenous people played lacrosse, something I covered in an episode of the podcast back in May. While the game of hockey evolved over time, and has many origins in both Europe and North America, it is impossible to deny the influence of the Indigenous game of lacrosse. With that Indigenous influence on our national winter sport, it may be surprising that it took until 1954 for an Indigenous player with treaty status to reach the NHL, almost 50 years after the league formed. That player was Fred Sasakamoose, and today on the podcast, I'm looking at his life. Before I go into his life, you may notice I said the first Indigenous player with treaty status in the NHL. While Sasakamoose was the first Indigenous player with treaty status to reach the NHL, the first full-blooded First Nations hockey player to reach the NHL was actually Henry Maracle, who was born in Ontario and was a member of the Mohawk tribe. He played 11 games for the New York Rangers in March of 1931, recording four points. He would play in various leagues from 1931 to 1944 before choosing to retire. He would go on to work for a produce company in Texas where he died in 1958. Another possible first Indigenous player was Paul Jacobs, who played one game for the Toronto Arenas during the 1918-19 season. Jacobs was born in Montreal and had played hockey through various leagues during the 1910s, and he would be invited to the Arenas training camp in December 1918. And he may have actually earned an opening day roster spot, but the Toronto Globe reported that he was returning to Montreal instead. While Jacobs is recorded in referee reports for five games, the newspaper reports do not list him, so it's actually unclear if he actually played any games. While Sasakamoose may not have been the first, he is by far the most well-known among the three, and we're going to focus on his career and accomplishments both on and off the ice. Sasakamoose was born on Christmas Day in 1933 at the Attakakoop Reserve in Saskatchewan. As a child, he learned to skate on a frozen pond using a willow branch shaped with an axe as a stick and frozen horse manure as a puck. Sasakamoose relates learning the game of hockey this way. I think I had a grandfather that started me off with, uh, you know, when I was six years old and back to the reservation and uh, 
I hope today he's, he's out there smiling and, uh, you know, he could never talk, didn't hear, but he had a vision. A vision, I believe that uh, someday that uh, I would be. But I had a lot, lot of assistance during the time. When he was six, a truck pulled up to his home. A priest, RCMP officer, and Indian agent got out, and despite his mother caring deeply for her children and his father working as a logger, they were deemed unfit parents because they were poor. Sasakamus was taken away from his mother as she cried, along with his nine-year-old brother, to attend a residential school. He would not see or speak to his parents again for two years. In an interview, Sasakamus speaks about being forced to leave his parents. That summer, I was what you call picked up by, by the priests. And I could see my mother was crying. They were called unfit parents, but that wasn't the case. My mother never drank. My father never drank. He was a logger. Mother stayed home, looked after us. Snare rabbits, that was survival at that time. But anyway, I went to the residential school and I went to there and then, oh man. I stayed there, we never came home for two years. Never seen my mom for two years. They weren't even allowed to come to the, to, to the school to visit. That was awful. It was at this residential school near Duck Lake in 1944, he would first be noticed for his hockey skills by a priest who was the sports director of the residential school Sasakamus was attending. The priest, which was characteristic of the harsh nature of the residential schooling program, pushed Sasakamus to improve his skill. Sasakamus would say later that the priests who ran the residential school were from Quebec, and they loved hockey, but they were extremely harsh when teaching hockey. He would say, The priests never talked twice. The second time, you got the strap. His life at the residential school was not pleasant. He would say in an interview in 2014, In residential school, we lived in fear. That's why we didn't learn anything. We suffered from the education that we should have got. We were laborers. We milked 60 cows. Your school came secondary, and I suffered a lot of abuse. In 1949, the Duck Lake Ducks would win the Provincial Midget Championship with Sasakamus. That same year, he would finally return home to his parents. While working in the field with his parents in the summer, he would spot Father George Rousseau, who was from the residential school, along with another man. Sasakamus and his brother hid nearby, fearing they were going to be taken back to the residential school. Instead, the man with the father asked if their son could attend a hockey training camp in Moose Jaw. That man was George Vogan, the coach of the team. Sasakamus relates the day. There was a white man named George Vogan from Moose Jaw. And he found me and took him four days to find me. And uh, to go to junior hockey. 15 year old boy, an Indian boy. Amazing. And you could look at him and coming down the road lounge. And they come down the road. They come about 200 yards and I realized Father Rousseau, who was my coach, and he was a champion. The white man that I didn't know, he was a big man. He had a cap on and long. And they were talking to mom and dad. 
And I answered, my mother said, Hashtam Bushes, Hashtam. Wave at me like that. Mom couldn't talk English, never went to school. And a 15 year old. And I looked down at the ground and walked towards him. And I looked at mom. I had tears in my eyes. 15 year old boy. Didn't know what to do with myself. I had talent playing hockey, the game that I love. In 1950, he would begin playing for the Moose Jaw Canucks of the WCJHL, starting with the team for three years. At first, he didn't think he was going to make the team. And he would say later, 130 kids at training camp, 130 all white. I was ashamed, ashamed of being Indian. I could never change it. At the end of the two-week training camp, he packed up his belongings and began the 300-kilometer walk back home. Almost nine hours into his walk, Vogan pulled up beside him in his car. He then took Sasakamoose for a meal and told him he was making the team. In 1953, Sasakamoose would be named the most valuable player for the Western Canada Junior Hockey League when he scored 31 goals in 34 games. In the ceremony to honor him, Sasakamoose was presented with a peace pipe and headdress. During his time with the WCJHL, he would play in 130 games, recording 75 goals and 147 points. One year later, he would make his debut in the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks on February 27, 1954. He had just come off the ice and entered the dressing room when his coach, George Vogan, opened a telegram and said he had an announcement to make. Vogan opened the telegram and said, Fred Sasakamoose, please report immediately to the Chicago Blackhawks to play in the NHL in Toronto on Hockey Night in Canada. According to Sasakamoose, the room went still, and then his teammates exploded in happiness for him. Then two women came in with suitcases, filled with new clothes, and told Sasakamoose he had to look professional, presenting him with a new suit and overcoat. Sasakamoose would spend three days on the train to get to Toronto. Once there, he was warming up on the ice when he was told someone wanted to talk to him. That person was legendary broadcaster Foster Hewitt, who asked him if his last name was pronounced Saskatchewan Moose or Saskatoon Moose. He would say later, you step on that ice, you could hear drums. Just like that. Big Chicago Stadium, three balconies like that. Sasakamoose talks about the momentous day he played in his first NHL game. When I got to the, to the arena, they opened the arena. What a huge arena. Maple Leaf Gardens. And I looked around. These are professional hockey players. I'm in a different world again. You're playing against the best in the world. And I sat down beside Bill Mosienko, who scored three goals in 21 seconds. You hear about these guys on radio by Foster Hewitt, how great that they are. Put on my skates, my equipment, and I skated around. Bill says, somebody want to talk to you over there in the box. He was Foster Hewitt. He said, Freddie, he said, how in the hell do you pronounce your name? Saskatoon Moose, Saskatchewan Moose. I said, Foster, my name is Saskamoose. Over the course of his time with the Blackhawks, he would play 11 games, recording six penalty minutes. That would be his only time in the NHL, 
but he cemented himself in the history of hockey by becoming the first Indigenous hockey player with treaty status to play in the National Hockey League. He would sign a C-form contract that gave him $6,000 if he played for the Blackhawks the next season, $3,500 if he went to the American Hockey League, and $3,000 if he played for a lesser farm team. He would use the money to buy a new car, fill the empty cupboards at his parents' house, buy his father a buggy and team of horses, and a silk cloth for his mother to sew a new dress. In 1954-55, he would play in the QHL, recording 8 points in 22 games, and 21 games in the WHL with the new Westminster Royals, recording 11 points. In 1955-56, he played two games in the WHL with the Calgary Stampeders. In 1955, he would marry Loretta Isbister and then play for the Kamloops Chiefs in the Okanagan Senior Hockey League from 1956 to 1958 and in 1959-60. He would then finish out his hockey career with the North Battleford Beavers in 1960-61. Sasakamoose eventually became a band counselor on his home reserve for 35 years and chief from 1980 to 1984. During this time, he began to heal from the trauma of the residential school experience and he would learn to speak Cree again, something that was not allowed in the school. He also became heavily involved in the development of sports programs for Indigenous children. Using his fame as an Indigenous hockey player, he would promote opportunities for youth in sports such as hockey, long-distance running, track and field, soccer, and basketball. Sasakamus also promoted living a positive lifestyle and the importance of volunteering. In 2002, the Blackhawks would honour him at a home game, and in 2007, he was inducted into the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame. He would be inducted into the Prince Albert Sports Hall of Fame, the Meadow Lake Wall of Fame, the Federation of Saskatchewan Indian Nations Circle of Honour, and the Canadian Native Hockey Hall of Fame. He was a founding member of the Northern Indian Hockey League in 1962, and he would be made a member of the Order of Canada in 2018, and he speaks of that honour. Uh, there's something that a man that dreams about so much, and uh, two weeks ago when they did pull me in, I was just uh, amazed, you know, to get this kind of a recognition for, you know, for my life, and I think uh, it made me a, a truly a Canadian. And to receive this award, more than uh, more than receive things like that, it's a it's a great thing for my native people. So it's the Métis, and I always worked hard to believe in myself. And uh, but uh, I want to share this all the time with uh, you know a lot of people. And I didn't do it alone, and I could never build it alone. In his Order of Canada citation, it says. Frederick Sasakamus's determination and resilience are inspirational. By making it to the NHL in the early 1950s, he cemented his status as an indigenous role model for many aspiring hockey players. He developed minor hockey and other sports programs for youth, initially at the local level and then through an initiative that later expanded across Saskatchewan. In talking openly about his achievements, as well as his struggles, he has become a trusted mentor and a sought-after speaker who promotes healthy life choices to a broad audience. He also had the opportunity to drop the opening face-off puck between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Edmonton Oilers on December 29, 2018. And I was actually at that game, and it was cool to be a part of the history. So here's the audio from that day. Oilers fans, please give a warm Rogers place welcome to Mr. Fred Sasakamoose. 
Connor McDavid and Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taves to join Fred at center ice for tonight's ceremonial puck drop. Today, there are roughly a dozen Indigenous players in the NHL, including Carey Price, TJ Oshie, and Ethan Bear. As for Sasakamoose, he still lives on his home reserve with his wife, surrounded by family. Sasakamoose looks back on his life and the impact he's had. I left my Indian way of life, culture, back home. To go to the outside world of the world, it's very difficult. My dream was to come in HL. I wanted to play in HL in 1953, 54. It became a reality to pave the way for the Indian kids and the Métis. They look at you as a role model and they say, well, they look at my rings, my pictures. This is what I gained in life. This is what brought me to where I am. It's for you now to follow the footstep. Maybe better, better. Not only just for 11 games, maybe 11 years in HL, maybe to the Olympics, you become what you want. Your choices is great, much greater than mine. I hope you enjoyed that look at the life of Fred Sasakamus. And if you did, please give a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can visit my website where you'll see all my old podcast episodes, as well as hundreds of articles on Canada's history. Just go to canadaehx.com. You can support the podcast at Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And once again, if you really enjoyed the episode, please give it a rating and review. Information comes from the Canadian Encyclopedia, the Edmonton Sun, Hockey DB, Legends of Hockey, Wikipedia, Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame, Timmins Press, WBUR.org, EdmontonOilers.com, CBC, Global News, and the University of Regina. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.